Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast, proudly presented by NBC Sports Edge. My name is DJ Short and with me here once again is Drew Silva. This is a taped version of the show just for reference. We are recording on Thursday, December 2nd, the first day of the first work stoppage in Major League Baseball since the 1994-1995 strike. It's pretty deflating after a week where we saw so many moves and so much excitement. It was like a winter meetings. It was like a supersized winter meetings. And now it's just nothing. So it, yeah, it's, it's quite the contrast. Yeah. It w- it felt a lot like what the NBA guys and the NFL, I think has kind yeah. of a hard free agency deadline too. And we know that this sport and all sports work better when there's, a deadline in place it works with a much yeah. better pace yeah uh, the deadline was that there's a lockout coming and if, <laughs> if you want to get a deal done before yeah. february probably hopefully it's more january ish um you better get it done this week and yeah it, it was cool i mean this this time of year we talked i guess last time we talked was two weeks ago and i went on vacation to new orleans i figured this would be a good time to fit in a vacation because it's usually like one yeah. of the slowest parts of the off season right around Thanksgiving, but not uh, so much. <laughs> it was nuts. I had to like, I really kind of went off the grid in New Orleans, just had to kind of get away from it. Um, and so when I got back, I was like, wait, this guy signed here. This guy, I had, I had to really like refresh my memory as to Steven Matz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Steven Matz to the Cardinals. Uh, I wish that the Cardinals had done a little bit more, but I like that move. You know, um, I have to thank Stephen Matz's agent for infuriating infuriating Steve Cohen to the point where he's he spent insane amounts of money. Um, not insane, actually. I'm I'm quite cool with it. In fact, I hope another agent makes him mad very very soon so he can continue this uh, spending spree. I do feel like the the Mets have used that you know Cohen payroll muscle in a really exciting uh, uh, smart might not be the word but none of these deals are, you're like real upset about i mean yeah. max max scherzer sets the record average annual value by like eight million dollars with a yeah, yeah, 43.33 million dollar average annual value on that three-year 130 million dollar contract but i would love it if the cardinals signed that kind of deal um starling Marte, do you want to give him a four-year deal at age 33 going on 34 Probably not. It probably you probably had to. Whoever yeah. was going to end up with him was going to have to give him the fourth year. Yeah. So, and then Mark Canna. We were gl- glowing about Mark Canna last time we talked, and yeah. I think that's a really nice underrated deal. A guy that can hit at the top of the lineup and play all across the outfield. Uh, so I I love what the Mets did once I once I caught up on what they actually did. And yeah, I mean this is this is going to be. Um, a dark period. It was, it was fun to get some activity, but we kind of all, all, all knew this was coming and, ah, oh man, I kind of want to turn off Twitter until they get a deal done because you've just got people talking about, you know, trying to break down these rumors that come out about which proposals have been um, put on the table for, from the union or from the players. And 
uh, or I mean, from the union and from the owners. And it's, it's like, all right, you know, tell me when there's something real being discussed. Like I, I've been saying it for a while now and it's, it's probably obvious, but the biggest hang up in this whole thing, and there are a lot of elements to it that you'll hear about over and over for the next weeks and maybe months. But the biggest hang up is that the players want the service time structure changed. You know, yeah. They want to be able to reach free agency earlier or reach salary arbitration earlier. Yes. And, and they're right to want that. It, it's sort of ridiculous that it can take to age 29, 30 for a lot of guys, even impactful players to command free agent money. You know, teams aren't paying older players like they used to. They, you know, they aren't paying for past production like they used to, but yeah, you know, what leverage do the players have to get the system changed? I, I don't know that they do. And and then you have this this quote from Commissioner Rob Manfred on Thursday morning, the first time he met with the media since the lockout. And he said, the most negative reaction we have in this sport from fans, I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, is when a player leaves in free agency. So when he leaves like the home team and he yes. says, making that available earlier, we don't see that as a positive. And mm. like, yeah, yeah, it's it's insulting to the baseball fans intelligence that anyone would buy that. Maybe some people do um, that owners don't want to give free agency to players on a quicker time frame because they're worried about how fans will react when players leave. It, it's yeah. because owners love the pre-arbitration arbitration and, sure. and how, how long it takes to get to free agency in this current. Yeah, it's, it's six, it's six years. And the first three, they are making the league minimum unless you know, they feel like giving a player a raise like a Juan Soto or or whatever, if there's a rookie that does something really uh, amazing. But that isn't you don't have to do that. You could just renew a player no, at yeah. whatever salary you want. So, you know, I think we are either going to have to have a change as far as when players get to arbitration, maybe the sec, maybe two years of service time or maybe even that pre arb kind of situation is set up where if a player wins an MVP award, there's another tier that they they get paid a little earlier. Um, so there's a lot to discuss. And obviously, they weren't going to get anything done by this deadline. We know that. I think another part of it for the players is eliminating or at least changing the dynamic as far as teams tanking. And some of that might include the draft itself. Um, sort of changing it based on record, but bringing in the element of a draft lottery, kind mm -hmm. of like the NBA. We'll see wh where that goes. I think there's something to that. I think both sides can agree on that could make it interesting. It's just a matter of how many teams are in that lottery. Is it the top five? Is it the top 10? So there's a lot to work out, and we're just giving you the real simple stuff. There's stuff that's way over our heads, obviously. I, I, I also yeah. think a lot of this competitive balance stuff is is noise, like – yeah, baseball has the best parity of any sport. I mean, you look at their who has won championships over the last twenty years. Any team can compete. I mean, the Rays can compete even though they have the lowest payroll in baseball. I, I just I don't really buy it, and I don't know. I I want to like shut out all the noise and get down to really what matters. And I I think it's the players are going to want the service time structure change and the owners don't want that to happen because they'll get a player's best years when those players are under control um, and not able to ask for what the market will give them and that yeah. the owners are not going to want to give that up without some major concessions from the players and I don't even know what those concessions will be like I say I don't know where the yeah. players leverage comes from expanded playoffs expanded playoffs is probably the big one um, I, but the worry four, there with the yeah. players is that if more teams make the playoffs, like the odds are higher, then that may de-incentivize team spending. So it all kind of, it all kind of falls back to that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't do think that's, I don't sure. think a fourteen-team playoff is good for this sport at all. No, not when you play one hundred and sixty-two games. But you know what? The players might have to give up some element of expanded playoffs to to get what they want. And I think we're we're probably headed towards something like that. I don't know if it's going to be fourteen teams, but I think we're there's going to be some sort of expanded playoffs. I'm just that's my expectation. If I'm surprised, that's that's a good thing, I guess. If you want to talk about like caring about what the fans want, I don't think you could find a baseball, a true baseball fan. Like as base you and I love baseball. We value that it's a marathon and that it takes mm -hmm. 162 games to decide who gets to the playoffs and that those regular season games matter if 
Yeah. Half the league What's is the making point? Why am yeah. I watching a game in May other than NBC's paying me um, if if half the league is going to get in there? And yeah, right. it's it's not going to encourage teams to spend more. I mean, if the right. Rangers can get in, if, if they're just in the top half of the league, they're not doling out $580 million to, to Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager and John Gray and Cole Calhoun all in, in a, what was that, like a 24-hour period. Yeah. It has been cool to see teams like the Rangers and the Mariners have spent um, Tigers. the Tigers. I, you know, I, I don't know <laughs> if the Tigers did it in the right way. We, we can talk about some of the signings that happened uh, right before the deadline or the lockout. Yeah. But yeah, I, it's cool to see those teams spending. I, it was a really cool week for baseball. And now yeah. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. What, what did you think of major league baseball or MLB.com pulling all player related content down? I, I, <laughs> It was, tr- I wasn't expecting that, but it was pretty bizarre. It still is so weird. There, so yeah, they they MLB's PR arm has told some media members that this was a, uh, a like a a labor, a legal federal labor law issue that you can't profit off name and image license during a lockout. There's no real evidence that federal labor labor law says anything. Yeah, like that because well. well because yeah, merchandise sales is is different from the CBA, and actually, yeah. players are still getting money for name image, image license merchandise. So it's really got nothing to do with it. I yeah. think it was just pettiness, right? Maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I was saying this morning, like, what about MLB Network? Like, I feel the next bad two for months, those Are guys. they gonna play like? Are they gonna play summer catch on a loop for two months, or <laughs> Bad News Bears or something? Freddie uh, Prince Jr. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, but imagine, like, I, I mean, I kind of feel bad for those for those folks because, like, how do you even do this right now? For I mean, how are we going to do this? Actually, is a good question. Well, what are we yeah, do? I mean, we I feel bad for the MLB.com writers too. I, I think a lot of them have kind of gone quiet, and it's weird that MLB.com has its own sort of journalistic wing, but. So many of our favorite beat writers are MLB.com beat writers. It's a legitimate journalistic yeah, sure. enterprise. Like those are really talented um, people with with moral journalistic ethics. And um, it's kind of sad that they're in this tough spot where yeah. uh, they're not kind of allowed to mention player. It. I don't see. I don't know why that was all necessary. I would love to hear kind of the background on it because it's not like you can just flip a switch and change all these websites overnight. They must have had this prepared. Oh, sure. And that speaks to like, okay, you had a week to negotiate or whatever. You had more than a week to negotiate. But in this final week, you probably weren't negotiating in good faith if you had this, if you had code rewritten on all of your (laughs) websites um, to, to switch headshots off and, make all of your articles like uh, Joe, Joe Carter's home run in the 93 world. Series. <laughs> 10 uh, best trades in team history. Like it's funny. Cause like uh, what day is today's Thursday. Yeah. Okay. So Wednesday, the Mets did the, their introductory press conferences for all their signings, including Max Scherzer, you know, video press conferences. So really exciting day. There's the whole video with Scherzer and Scott Boris but if late last night, if you went to Mets.com to like go check it out, if you missed it, like, sorry, it's gone. You can't you can't see it. Like, it didn't happen. I mean, maybe it was a dream for me. Maybe it was a dream, and now it's just it didn't didn't actually happen. I don't know. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, just to put a bow on it, I I think they're going to come to an agreement. I I don't think this is going to drag on into like regular season months I, I think that mm-hmm. both sides know that, that that the game cannot really afford that right now yeah but there's a lot of hurdles to clear and again this this sport especially does not work well when there's not like a, a firm deadline and i think february 1st should be the deadline but we've seen in yeah. past negotiations over much smaller issues that um, they kind of wait as long as possible to really put all their cards on the table well, the longer the players drag it out, the pressure is going to go on the owners because if, if they start losing regular season games, 
I hope it doesn't come to that, but like that's the pressure that the players can apply the closer we get to that. I know, um, which scares but me. But on the other hand, they're still, and we'll talk about it later, I'd say 30 of the top 60 free agents have signed, but still 30 are left, and they're really big names, so there's going to be pressure from that side too. Um, but this fight isn't just about those top-of-the-market players. They're going to get paid no matter what. It's the the middle class of baseball that that often gets squeezed out or the fringe players, the older players, that's what this fight is about. And uh, hopefully we see more attention on that, you know, in the coming weeks and not just the big names. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So we're going to talk about some of the big signings from this past week. We're also going to go over some of the names that are still remaining on the free agent market. Before we do that, though, um, a quick word for our listeners. We're headed down the backstretch of the NFL season, and the NBC Sports Edge predictor app powered by PointsBet has you covered with Sunday Night 7. We're giving you a shot to win $1 million every Sunday night throughout the rest of the regular season. It's free and easy to play. Predict what will happen between the Broncos and Chiefs for a chance to win. Plus, right now, you also have an extra chance to win $25,000 by making your picks for the People's Choice Awards, which airs on NBC and E! on Tuesday, December 7th. So download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. Drew, who do you have in the People's Choice Awards this year? What are the categories? Um, I can only imagine. It's probably, you know, best TV show, best comedy, best drama, best. What have I been artist. watching? Uh, caught up on Succession. I miss, missed two episodes while I was on vacation. Have, do you watch that show? I do. Yeah. Yeah. This season has been, I'm just waiting for something to happen. Me too. I, I feel like it's kind of the same runaround. I, I love the dialogue. Uh, yeah. But it, it feels like they're kind of doing the same story. They're spinning the wheels. The, the most recent episode, uh, have you seen the most recent yes. one? Yes. Watched okay. the last I'm night. not going to spoil it for people, but that was like, that was cool. I really liked this episode, even though it was like pretty dark. But I enjoyed it because at least it felt like so much of the season has been about like negotiations and like just kind of the stuff that's, I don't know, it's week to week, it's been kind of the same. Uh, so I enjoyed it like being out of that structure yeah. and just something a little bit different they're but, really good at episodes where there's like a party involved because yes exactly amazing unintentional or intentional comedy yes that goes i was definitely that. laughing maybe one i shouldn't have yeah week, um so. i don't know what i don't know what else i've i've watched i haven't watched much uh oh the yeah. Beatles. the Beatles get back documentary oh, yeah. we flipped that, that on on great. saturday night um that yeah that's man that's amazing television i'm like such my my mom is from england and she's from the town next to liverpool where the beatles are from so i grew up just totally immersed in the beatles so this is like right up my alley of like just nerding out where i'm looking at like every little detail Mm -hmm. i know some people think that the documentary is a bit like bloated like three hours for each um episode but to me it's like 
I want to squeeze every minute I can out of this. It's just so fascinating. Yeah. Me, so. I, we started watching it and I was like, I feel like I'm missing some little stuff. Can we turn on subtitles? And I mean, they, they have heavy Liverpoolian accents anyway. So that, that helped. And I mean, I, I've always appreciated Paul McCartney, but you look at this documentary, especially like he's the, the guy keeping it all together yeah. and to be able to just sit down and bang out, maybe in retrospect, it's easier to say these are like brilliant, brilliant songs, but uh, it's unbelievable how talented <laughs> that man is. And and even there are glimpses. I've, I've only watched the first two episodes. Haven't watched the third, but these glimpses of one, he does get John in, you know, together with him and um, focused, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe Yoko's not in the picture. No offense to Yoko. Like, but with just when, when it's the two of them, you can see where the brilliance lies. And yeah, I kind of, I, I wish this, it's it's crazy to say this about something that happened in the the '60s, but I I just wish they would have kept kept the band together, um, yeah. maybe gone on a vacation or something like they pumped out so much work in such a little amount of time. They yeah. they probably didn't need a break. They didn't have to break up. Right, right. Yeah, I think the most surprising thing to me is like so much of it had over the years has been like Paul and John as like the conflict, but in this you see George being upset, and John is like he's just so like polite through this whole thing it's kind of crazy and it's just changing my perception of everything well, george, so I, I think it's yeah george rightly feels undervalued and and i think john's yeah. a jerk to him uh, i think it's <laughs> it's probably a little brother kind of situation yeah. because he is a, a lot younger than the other guys but like he he plays all things must pass and they're Paul, like eh. yeah <laughs> john's like <laughs> Barely even kind of like a trash. Like one of my favorite songs ever. Um, yeah, no, it's and, fascinating. And Paul, like, yeah, you're right. He's so polite that he, he, it takes him like three minutes to just be like, we like it, but maybe not right now, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I love Paul McCartney, and maybe this is kind of Paul McCartney's uh, the last dance where it's, it makes him look good. It's like a, you know, he's kind of the only. I, I know Ringo's still alive, but he's the only one kind of still involved in, in the Beatles catalog maybe. And and I'm sure he signed off on allowing Peter Jackson to put this together. And it feels like it, it does make him look good, but he's, he probably does look good because he's the only one besides Ringo who um, shows up on time and is there to work. Yeah. He he's willed them to complete this project. It's been, yeah, no, he's a machine. He's, He's a music god for sure. I want a documentary um, on like every album that I love that is just in this style. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a really good one for Wilco. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that. I don't one. think I have. It's about Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and really? like trying to get it made and everything. It's pretty. It's pretty fast. What's that called? I think it's just called "I'm Trying to Break Your Heart." Could be wrong about that. I haven't seen it in a really long time, but yeah, it's, it's pretty maybe good. maybe I watched that in like high school. Now that yeah. I think about it. It, yeah, I mean, I guess that album is like 20 years old. So the uh, manager for Wilco follows me on Twitter, and he—if he's listening—I just want to let him know. Um, he messaged me one time. He's like, "Hey, uh, you know, next time they're in town, just give me a shout, and I'll, I'll put you on the list." Um, yeah. And and I've always felt bad, like actually reaching back out to him. But if he's yeah. listening, DM me and. I'll, I'm actually going to do it next time they're they're uh, coming around because they're from Southern Illinois, like not far yeah. from St. Louis. Yeah, I went to um, it was like a in store um, in in the record store like signing and they played Wilco. So I got like the vinyl and like I walked in line to get it like signed. So I got I like got a chance to like say words to them and I was just like, thank you for uh, everything. And then like they're like, you're welcome. And signed it, and I was gone. Like I really couldn't say say words. The DJ short show with Jeff yes. Tweedy. So re- remember that time when you like. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so let's get into uh, bef- coming into this episode. I-, I didn't want to talk about every signing because that would basically be impossible. But um, our objective was to each pick out our favorite move of the past week and our and our least favorite move. So I'm going to let you get started, Drew. Um, I kind of wrote down two, but. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, there's I, I love a ton of them. Max Scherzer. That's great. 
I love it. My favorite move, but no, I, I have a, I have another one. The one that Go stuck on. out to me was Kevin Gosman. Uh, five years, $110 million with the Blue Jays. I'm the resident Gosman stan on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, basically a replacement for Robbie Ray, who signed a five-year, $115 million contract with the Mariners. So very similar deals on the surface. And they are just about the same age. Gosman's like a few months older. Um, and Gosman maybe doesn't have the perceived upside of Ray. Uh, but in terms of like consistency, steadiness, durability, I like Gosman more. Um, compare those two over the last two seasons, Ray, uh, who obviously won the AL Cy Young Award this past year, but over the last two years has a 3.64 ERA, 1.22 whip, 11.6 K per nine and in 245 innings. Gosman's at a 3.00 ERA, 1.05 whip, 10.9 K per nine in 251 innings. Um, you know, so Ray offers more strikeouts, but Gosman's really improved in that department. And yeah. that rotation in Toronto really started, you know, coming together or humming down the stretch this past season. And now Gosman joins Jose Brios, Alec Manoa, Hunjin Ryu, probably Ross Stripling. That like that's pretty legit. We know about the excellent lineup that the Jays have. They're they're going to be really dangerous in 2022. I don't think they skip a beat. Uh, plugging in Gosman for Ray. I think they they take a step forward with the young guys they have. I also really like the Marlins getting Joey Wendell from the Rays yeah. uh, for outfield prospect Cameron Meisner, who was the 35th overall pick in 2019, uh, but he'll turn 24 years old in January. He's played only 14 games above high A ball, uh, toolsy, some power and good speed, but um, – Meisner seems like a relatively low cost of talent for Wendell, who was an American League All-Star this past year with Tampa Bay. Didn't have the best second half compared to his first half, but a 751 OPS over his last 685 plate appearances. I think the OPS Plus, which uh, factors in stadiums, is 112. Uh, dating back to the beginning of the 2020 season, especially good against right-handed pitching, and uh, and obviously most pitchers are right-handed. I like what the the Marlins are doing. They they have the young starting pitching, now making some smart additions to boost the offense. Avisel Garcia, they signed to a four-year yeah. deal. I don't know if I love that, um, but you know they've been connected to Nick Castellanos, who's a Miami area native. They got Jacob Stallings from the Pirates too, an excellent yeah, like defensive that. catcher who just won the Gold Glove. I think if they get one more bat, maybe two more bats, if they can swing it and and some creativity at next year's deadline, they can make a lot of noise in the National League East, which might be yeah. one of the best divisions in, in baseball next year, if not the very best. Yeah, especially 14 teams to make the playoffs. They got a real <laughs> <Right>. shot. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my favorite, I actually, there was two that I, that I really liked. The first one, which I was just happy to see, Byron Buxton, seven years, $100 million extension with the Twins. I'm glad they worked something out there. Um, it would have been a shame to see him get traded. There had been that talk for a while. But I think this works well for both sides. You know, Buxton's been hurt a lot. So there's that injury risk. So that adds in some long-term stability for Buxton and his earning power for his career. But for the Twins, you know, if, if he's healthy and performs up to what he's capable of doing, which is a superstar. Yep. You know, this is a great deal for them too. So I think that's that's huge. I was just really happy to see that. My my favorite move, and there's a lot of them, um, but one I really liked, and it's interesting you mentioned Kevin Gosman because Alex Cobb signed with the Giants two years, 20 million, with a $10 million club option for 2024. Cobb was one of my favorite free agent pitchers this winter. I think he was really sneaky, under-the-radar type of uh, pickup. So this season, 3.76 ERA. He only made 18 starts, but this looked like vintage Alex Cobb. Um, he struck out 98 batters in 93 and a third innings. Uh, highest swinging strike rate of his career. We know how good he was with the Rays in 2013, 2014, before he got hurt. You know, the knuckle curve, the splitter all back, all getting swings and misses. You put him there in San Francisco, which, you know, admittedly not the pitcher ballpark it once was, but still still pretty good ballpark there. 
Um, and with a coaching staff who seems to maximize uh, what they're getting out of their talent, I, I think there could be some big things there with Alex Cobb. Going to be tough to replicate what Kevin Gosman did, but I think they're going to be pretty good uh, with Logan Webb reading, uh, leading that rotation, Alex Woods back, Anthony DeSclafani. So I really like that Cobb move for the Giants. Yeah, when we talked two weeks ago, we were like, what is the Giants rotation going to look like? But yep. uh, to bring back Dace Clefani and Alex Wood on some relatively uh, inexpensive deals, relative again, yep. um, and Alex yep. Cobb, Logan Webb taking a big step forward. I, I still think that the Giants are going to be a bit of a letdown next year, but uh, once this lockout passes, we could see some creative moves from them. They they have done well you know, traversing in that middle-tier free agency and, and trade type of market. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the moves we didn't like. Marcus Stroman uh, getting three years, $71 million with the Cubs. Um, and w- when he announced the news himself on his Twitter account, what was that? Sorry, um, I'm blocked. I can't see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> well, you can't do your job then. Nah, really? Uh, but uh, what, what, I didn't take it, it personally. I don't take it personally. I don't mention it like every day. <laughs> Just get over it, dude. <laughs> uh, but but when he announced it, and, and I could see it because I haven't ruffled his feathers um, <laughs> we're friends. Um, but when he announced that he was heading to the Cubs, I thought, all right, this is going to be a very long-term deal, like extending into his late 30s maybe so that he can be the established veteran ace for the next wave of Cubs success. Uh, but then, oh, no, it's three years, $71 million, $25 million in the first two seasons with an opt-out after the second year. That doesn't really compute for me. Um, yeah, hey, like props to the Cubs for spending money, you know, uh, and maybe Stroman just really loves Chicago. It's one of the best places in the country in the summertime, no doubt. But even if that is the case where Stroman just wanted to be in Chicago, the average annual value of the contract is higher than what reigning American League Cy Young Award winner Robbie Ray got from the Mariners. It's higher than what Kevin Gosman got from the Blue Jays. Um, So I get what Stroman is doing in kind of betting on himself again with a shorter-term high AAV contract when he might have been a candidate for one of those five years. Possibly six year, maybe even if you would have asked me, I, I think we talked about it on sort of our offseason preview show. I, I would have guessed that Stroman would get the longest contract of any pitcher. Um, this, mm. But I, I just, I don't get it for the Cubs who are yeah. rebuilding and have so many other holes to fill on the roster before we can talk about them being a competitive club. That yeah. lineup, uh, presuming that Wilson Contreras trade happens eventually, which it most likely will, like they signed Jan Gomes, I guess, to replace him. That lineup yeah. is among the worst in baseball it, overall. It's it's not a good team, and they need like eight more pitchers uh, to me for me to like really like the the pitching staff. I guess they got Wade Miley um, and Kyle Hendricks could rebound, but you know, still they need bullpen arms too and. It's just it's not a good roster, and it probably isn't going to be a roster a good roster for the next two years at least, which is what the the term of this contract is for Stroman. He has an opt out after the second year for fantasy purposes. I wanted Stroman on a contender in a pitcher friendly ballpark with a good defense behind yeah. him. I guess the Cubs could be okay defensively. It's hard to say who they're actually going to run out there on opening day next year, but just the other boxes. I, they don't check out for me. I'm I'm confused by it. I, I think Stroman just really wanted to live in Chicago for a little little bit. I think he probably wanted to hit certain benchmarks um, from an AAV perspective, which yeah. I I understand. Um, why did the Cubs? But, why were the Cubs in the running at that? I, I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand it either. But I mean, if Kyle Hendricks is healthy, he's going to eat a ton of innings. So will Stroman. So there's going to be some stability in that rotation. Uh, I don't know the, like, is there a no trade in the deal? Whatever. I, you know, if Stroman has a good, you know, first year, I could see that him being tradable. Yeah. Uh, it's a very tradable contract to a contender. You know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. It's a, it's a weird fit. It's a weird fit there with Chicago, especially given they're not going to be winning anytime soon, but. Um, yeah. I, I shouldn't say that I don't like the contract cause I like the player. 
I like that the Cubs yeah. are doing something at least, yeah. but um, it's a confusing, it's the most confusing deal, I think, of the last week. Yeah. So for me, there's kind of a toss-up. The first one is Jordan Lyles with the Orioles. I don't understand why they gave him $7 million. <laughs> Um, I guess they need somebody to to eat some innings. He pitched uh, a lot a of chance yeah. to start there. Yeah, he pitched yeah. a lot of innings for the Rangers this past year, yeah. but it was with a ERA over five, and he had a seven yeah. ERA in 2020. Yeah, and Michael Waka got the yeah. same deal from the Red Sox, and he, yeah. you know, peripherals wise, he was pretty good with the Rays, but results weren't great. You know, staying in the AL East, I don't think things are going to get better there necessarily for him. And he had pretty good peripherals, I believe, when he was with the Mets too, but like didn't, you know, he wasn't getting the results. So I don't really expect that to change. But kind of zooming out to you know big picture kind of moves, I don't know if I love giving six years to Javi Baez. He was always the hardest free agent for me to peg. He ended up getting six years, 140 uh, million from the Tigers. He's just a very confusing player. And I don't know how his skill set's going to age. And it's just a lot to commit for me. Because, you know, defensively, he's great. I expect that will continue. He's one of the smartest and headiest players I've seen. And that should continue those baseball instincts. But offensively, you can see him falling off a cliff mm-hmm. at a certain point. Like he did a year game. ago. <laughs> yeah, basically. So I just think it's really risky. I was open to the idea of the Mets bringing him back if it was more shorter term. I think the number that was being thrown around was like, five years, a hundred million or something like that. I think I could have been on board with that, but yeah, six just feels like too much to me. He has incredible tools, uh, but, and he's put it together sometimes, but I I still think that what was it? 2018 is going to be an outlier. Was it even 2017? His really great year. Hey, and he was awesome for the Mets, especially in the final month. He was. Um, yeah, and so last year turns out to be a pretty good year overall, but he is it so, was. so inconsistent and it feels a bit like a panic move from the Tigers. Like we knew they were going to get a shortstop. They had been saying they were going to, you know, take advantage of this. What, what I thought would be a, a buyer's market for shortstops, but you know, not, not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Given the Corey Seager deal. I mean, maybe that was the sticker shock yeah. kind of moment for the Tigers because everyone had said Carlos Correa being the fit with A.J. Hinch there. I, th- I just think for me, when you think about who's going to be like the leader of the Tigers to be like the man, do you think Javi Baez can be that guy or do you think Carlos Correa should be that guy? A young roster, you know, young prospects coming up, that young pitching staff. To me, Correa seems like the obvious guy yeah. i don't know if bias is that is and, that guy and I, I, want, I love bias as an all-around player i should say that i really really like javi bias as a player i just think correa would have been the better fit for that situation i agree and, and i wonder if correa's number was up near seegers and the tigers felt like they had to get something done yeah. before the lockout yeah. so it's it was a weirdly sort of desperate move for a team that was really heading in a nice trajectory and hey maybe it'll work out and they get six yeah. years of good bias but we haven't i hope so we have not seen that happen with bias where he can be consistent at that level um yeah and marcus Simeon getting seven years maybe that's just what the rangers had to do to get this deal done um but Simeon's he's 31 so given seven years to a 31 year old i mean i guess that's just what they had to do i mean he had an amazing year um and he worked, you know, everyone says like he outworks everyone. So, I mean, like maybe this is going to work out, but I also think, and and we'll get into this in future episodes, talking about their, the Rangers approach to this off season, but they're not a team that's going to win. No, no, they're not. I can't say that I understand what they're doing, but I also like it when teams spend money and they're sure. spending yeah. huge cash and they must feel good about, they do have you know a ton of like B level prospects who could blossom, and they've got some like, Jack Leiter and Josh Young and you know Ezekiel yeah. Duran. Like they've got some high level talent too, but they're not really a year away in my opinion. I, I don't. 
they I wouldn't have picked that as the landing spot for John Gray either. I, I would have preferred him to be somewhere else, but I, I guess props for ownership being like, hey, we're we're actually gonna do they they talked a big game in the early part of the offseason and yeah, they've actually spent some money. You know, I think what maybe the Rangers are seeing is is opportunity in the AL West. Mm. Um, we see the Mariners spending the A's are maybe, you know, blowing things up. They've already lost a manager. Uh, there's trade rumors all, all around with that roster right now. The Astros may be losing Carlos Correa, but maybe not at the way that things are playing out right now. But, um, you know, we'll see if they can keep that group together. Obviously, they already lost George Springer last offseason. So I think they're, I think the Rangers could be smelling some opportunity there, which I, which I understand. How about Freddie Freeman still being a free agent? And probably going to be a free agent into February. Yeah, at this point, I, I don't know what the Braves are doing. I, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. Well, we don't know what has been discussed. If if the hangup is really just the sixth guaranteed year, which uh, if you follow some Braves people on Twitter, they seem to think that's the hangup. Just do it, right? Yeah, yeah. You've got. I mean, the, they're, they're not uh, going to have to pay big money to to Acuna or Albies or, or yeah. So like, just just do it. Just get it done. He means that much to that team. It should just be a no brainer to me. But and, and if I you remember, if, yeah. If you remember back in 2011, I believe the Yankees and Derek Jeter were talking about a contract extension, and it got really contentious in a situation that was you know comparable in that. You, you, Derek Jeter wasn't leaving the Yankees, and everybody knew it. Why did it have to get to that point? Just, just get in room and figure it out. You know. Yeah. So I don't, I don't understand that. I don't either. I so, think yeah, Freddie so, Freeman is a a better player than Derek Jeter too. Well, at this point, yes. I don't. Eh, maybe I want to walk that back, but not really. <laughs> I don't know. I think Freddie Freeman's on a Hall of Fame track. He's not. He's probably not on a Derek Jeter Hall of Fame track, but. Uh, he is on a Hall of Fame track right now. He's got a so we mentioned Carlos now. Correa. Got one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. Carlos Correa, we mentioned, still available. Freddie Freeman still available, but the list is pretty impressive. Like like I mentioned, basically thirty of the top sixty free agents have already signed, which is great for us as we're writing our magazine right now. Um, thank you guys for for signing with teams. Uh, but there's still a really, really talented list of players still available. Trevor Story, Chris Bryant, Nick Castellanos, uh, Carlos Rodon, Michael Conforto, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah. Um, we didn't mention the Dodgers. Like, they've had a, a weird couple of weeks. They did bring back Chris Taylor, which is, is something at least, especially with, you know, Corey Seager uh, leaving. But yeah, that you know, the Max Scherzer leaving. I think everybody kind of expected Scherzer to go back to the Dodgers, but and um, Max Muncy revealing he had a torn ACL. Yeah. I, I guess he could be okay, but and yeah, I, the, UC, the, yeah, the UCL in the elbow. Yeah, yeah, and the the Dodgers. Yeah, did I say ACL? Yeah, oh, my bad. Um, but yeah, the Dodgers and Yankees like have kind of sort of sat this out compared to what yeah. we, we probably would expect from if it's a fast flying market, it's they're usually involved in all of it. Uh, but yeah, but not this time around yet. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, some teams could bargain hunt after this is all over. And yeah. also there was no trade market uh, leading into this. Teams are mostly focused on uh, signings, um, which I understand, but. You know, once this is over, you could see the Yankees like trading for Matt Olson or, or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, there's still a lot that could that could play out. But it was a bit curious to see the Mets being the team flashing all the cash and the Yankees just kind of sitting it out. And, I see you smiling. Um, yeah, it's all right. I, yeah, I you know, <laughs> uh, it, it's been years of uh, watching the Yankees being the team that spends and the Mets, you know, doing a little thing here and there. Uh, I can remember the yeah. year where they didn't sign anyone <laughs> after the the Bernie Madoff stuff. They literally did not sign anyone. I, f- uh, I forgot so. to mention Eduardo Escobar too, who's you know obviously yeah. not a perfect player, like a, a three oh nine career on base percentage. But if he's your number seven, number eight hitter, that's yeah. that's a nice addition to the bottom of the lineup too. I, I think the Mets are 
like I said at the beginning of the show, like flexing their payroll muscle in, in a good way this time around. Yeah, and and Escobar gives the Mets options with his flexibility. He's not like a great defender, but he could play second base. He could play third base. Mm-hmm. Depending on what else they do this offseason, they could still be a possibility for Chris Bryant and put Escobar at second base, trade Jeff McNeil. Like there's a lot they could do. Um, so I, I liked it for that reason. I wasn't expecting it, but I'm into it. Um, some of these other free agents out here, uh, Kyle Schwarber is still very popular um, leading into this deadline. Nothing nothing happened, but um, I'm sure he's going to end up doing pretty well for himself. Anthony Rizzo is still out there. Kenley Jansen's still out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I guess uh, Rysel okay. Iglesias and Corey Knebel yeah. got the biggest relief money so far. Yeah, Iglesias got a four-year deal. Yeah, uh, with the Angels. Canables um, was only one-year deal, which I, I thought he could have done a little better 10. than that. But yeah. yeah, he'll probably be the Phillies' closer mm-hmm. um, next season, most likely. Uh, Jorge Soler, postseason hero, is out there. Eddie Rosario as well. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see where Zach Granke goes and what sort of expectations are are placed upon him. That's this kind of the the tier of pitching we're at right now, where you know, there's Michael Pineda, there's Yusei Kikuchi, who's been linked to the Mets. I would like him as a as a depth option. Danny Duffy. So kind of guys that there's there's some upside there, uh, especially with Duffy and Kikuchi. Uh, Pineda, I think, could be pretty steady. I don't think he's I don't think he's like a lights out type of starter, but I think he can be a solid four or five, something like that. Um, so there's still some pitching out there. Andrew McCutcheon, Kyle Seeger, veterans. Uh, Jock Peterson as well, Tommy Pham. So some veteran bats still available. Um, I was a little surprised to see Ryan Tapera still out there in free agency as well. Quang Young Kim did pretty well with the Cardinals. I'm not sure I fully buy it, but he's still out there too. Tyler Anderson, I think, could be a solid like four or five. So, you know, there's some good names still available, uh, especially like that top 10. Yeah, Yeah, Nelson Cruz, I skipped right over him. Yeah, and we'll see. I, it makes sense for Nelson Cruz to kind of wait this out. Yeah. Because there's and, universal. And DA. for Schwarber, too, of course. Yeah. 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 Eddie so Rosario, too, and yeah, kind of in yeah. the same vein. So there's a lot to still be decided with free agency. And guess what? We're probably not going to know anything about these players until February, <laughs> most likely, at the, at the earliest. That'll be fun. We'll we need to come that. up with more uh, TV show and movie takes because <laughs> – I'm not going to like break down the, the rumors that come out on Twitter about the negotiate, the labor negotiations. No, 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 no. So what did your Spotify wrapped look like this year? I didn't want to share it. So, <laughs> um, so I, I got married in September and a lot of my Spotify was, uh, making a playlist for the wedding. Yeah, that makes sense. So wh- one of our friends who lives in the neighborhood, longtime friend, um, he loves music and he's like kind of into DJing a little bit. So we, we got together with him and like a few nights, uh, like a night per week leading up to the wedding and had some beers and, and talked about the playlist and how we wanted to structure it. And um, so it's a lot of like, I mean, there's like Drake and Kid Cudi, which I listen to always and like uh, war on drugs. It wasn't like a good playlist to share where i I felt like proud of what i was listening to it was it wasn't fully representative of your of your tastes. yeah i get it i get it that's the way it was i mean spotify wrapped didn't exist when i got married in 2013 but pretty much all of 2013 i was building like the ultimate wedding playlist Mm -hmm. so i can only imagine what that would have looked like um it's great songs but yeah it's nothing like revolutionary yeah yeah i did not share mine either because there's like Peppa Pig in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my the album I listened to the most this year was by the band Wild Pink, who I think we've talked about. Yeah, you showed me um, them. I have been listening to them. So I, I feel like I did most of my music listening this year before the baseball season started. And during the season, I, I really did like pick up a lot of new music, which usually December and like draft guide writing time is like when I catch up on, on stuff that Same. I missed. Very much during baseball season. So I, I, I look forward to that. At least there's something to look forward to in December with no baseball news. Yeah. And Hey, like, yeah, usually the winter meetings, 
kind of interrupts my writing for the magazine, but we don't, we're not going to have that this year. So I'm going to be a, a good student of new music Let's and get a lot of work done. Yeah. I feel like we already had the winter meetings with, with this past yeah, week. Exactly. And we're still going to keep the podcast going at least for now. We'll see. We'll see when the well runs dry, but uh, we're planning to continue doing two episodes per week. Chris and Colin uh, will have a, a show come out Wednesdays and myself and Drew will have a show that will come out Fridays. Uh, we may take a little break around Christmas and, and New Year's, but otherwise we're going to keep it going. Um, we have some ideas we've been discussing for for how we're going to continue this, but um, look forward to continuing the show and we're going to be talking our way through it. Yeah, we, we will cope with you. Yes, exactly. So uh, I think that's it for, for this week. Uh, take care, Drew, and uh, good luck with your, your magazine writing. And uh, yeah, it doesn't feel as pressurized this year because no, it doesn't. I, I just, I, you don't have like the, the news shifts that, you know, are going to take up your time. Yeah. But. It's kind of, yeah. I mean, the, the reasoning behind it is depressing, but it's okay. As long as we don't lose any games and the players get a fair deal. Like that's, that's what matters to me. I don't think we're going to lose games, but I'm, I'm uh, that's subject to change that opinion. Yeah. So we'll be back next week. So, so don't worry. There's not a lot of baseball news, but we will be here for you guys. If you like what you're hearing with this show, Circling the Bases, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review if you don't mind. Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve. Be safe out there, everyone, and we will see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.